Hey there, welcome to Business Breakthroughs. I'm Neil DiMattino, I'm your host. Today, uh, I gotta tell you, we have a really good guest. Uh, this guy has been in the automotive business. He started in the automotive business, I should say, back in 1983. He took an ownership position in 1996 with dealerships and built a successful uh, collision center business starting in 2011. Uh, he has tons and tons of experience and now he's sharing that experience with others. He's created his own um, coaching program. It's uh, called Look Ahead Business Consulting from Athens, Georgia. Welcome, my friend and our uh, our guest for today, Brad Tucker. Brad, welcome to the show. Thanks. Great to be here, Neil. I appreciate it. Fantastic. I hopefully I, I covered, you know, everything that I mean, your the list of accomplishments that you have had over the years. I mean, it's is just is huge. And uh, and I like that because there's a lot of things that we could obviously share with the audience. But uh, did I miss anything or is there anything that I put out of place there or said uh, mis misstated? No, no, no. I, I, you're you're very kind and generous. Um, I am just another small business person who has has spent his life hopefully making a few less mistakes than good decisions, and uh, trying to trying to, to learn and grow and and help other people do the same. Well, you know, if you're not making mistakes from time to time, you're not growing and you're not learning. So that's 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 all part of it and everything. But uh, I mean, you have a really great background. You've done a lot of different things. You've worked with a lot of people and you've built some really good businesses. And so that's kind of what we're here to talk to about today. We're going to talk about, you know, a little bit about what you've done in the past, what you're doing right now. And you're going to share some good advice with us, with our audience. Uh, give us some tidbits that maybe they can use in, in their business. You sound, that sound good to you? Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to get into that in just a second. But before we do, Brad, can you just tell me a little or tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. I, I like to characterize myself as a uh, I'm a failed retiree and a uh, and an Olympic stumbler. So I I sold my last customer facing business uh, about five years ago and retired at 57, which was really a little earlier than I had anticipated. And one of the things that, one of the many things I've learned over the last 20 years in particular is, is that one of the worst things that can happen to you as a professional, I, I like to call it, beware the perils of achieving your dreams. Uh, you know, I had a series of very specific goals to, to get me to a place in, in my professional career. And uh, it's funny, my college roommate, who is still a friend, said that I, he's, I'm the only person he met that at 18 had a plan for what he wanted to do. And at 40, he had done exactly those things. And, and so I got exactly where I wanted to be at 40. I, I owned an automobile dealership with a business partner. And, you know, that was my that was my goal was to be a dealer and to, to make a good living and to own my own business and to go off into the sunset at a reasonable time. Uh, and the problem is, you know, I had nothing beyond that. And, mm. and so I got there. And now what? I'm 40 years old. And so I wound up running the business for 11 years and I got stale mm. because, you know, the deal was. I got where I wanted to go, right? So I, I achieved my dreams and had no new dreams to replace those to keep driving me forward. And, and so, you know, the recession hit in 2008 and we made it through the recession. And uh, 
but we wound up recognizing the changing nature of our industry and decided that two, two guys in Athens, Georgia, weren't going to be able to compete with um, the major public players in the space like AutoNation and Penske and these guys. And, and so we sold to a, a major private uh, dealership group. And so at 50 years old, I had to go figure out what to do. Because, you know, my, my dream of being a dealer until I retired, well, obviously that was done. So one of the things that I did as part of selling the business is we had to take a look at the assets we had and figure out what to do with them because not all the buyers in the automobile business want to be in the collision business. And we had a large offsite collision facility. And so I took a look at it, trying to figure out how to sell it, how to package it and realized, you know, this is a pretty good business. And if run properly, could be a great way to, to get me to the finish line that I envisioned at that time. And so I went over it with my wife, who helps me make better decisions than I would make on my own. And, uh, and we decided to double down on the collision business. And so, you know, I, I, I say that most of my life is a function of man plans and God laughs. <laughs> and, uh, and this was a great example of that. So at 50, I wound up in a, a part of our industry that I really didn't know that much about and uh, was no longer the smartest man in the room, which is a curse. I don't ever be the smartest man in the room. Yeah, right. So that's right. another thing. But, uh, you know, wound up having a business that, that I owned but didn't operate. And, and it wound up being the, the most enjoyable and productive and rewarding seven years of my life. Um, so again, kind of stumbled into to becoming a CEO as opposed to a COO, found out I was way better at it and uh, enjoyed it a lot more. And we had a, a very good run in, in our business because I had a great team and I left them alone to do what they do well. And then we sold to a major consolidator in 2018 and I was retired at 57. Wow. 57. But I didn't want to get stale again. So here I am. Right? Here you are sharing your 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 wisdom with the rest of us and i appreciate that i mean i have conversations with people who are your age my age all the time and it's kind of a similar situation it's like you know back in the day when our parents were you know coming up uh you know they dreamed about retiring at 65 I and mean, it was kind of the thing that's what they worked toward and then you know i watched my dad and my parents my uh, my uh, uncles and who retired earlier or even at 65 and they really didn't know what to do with the rest of their lives and i i you know and i was like i always kind of felt a little bit sorry for him. I thought to myself, I don't think I want to do that. So I am actually of retirement age myself, thought about retiring, but instead here I am talking with you, Brad. So uh, I, I, to me, I mean, this is like fantastic because now we can take all of that information, all of that wisdom that we've gained over the, all the mistakes that we've made over the years. And, and, and we can share that information with people who are coming up who, and I like what you said as you were growing your business and everything, it was kind of the hunt. That was kind of the really cool part of the whole business thing. And, and, and now you can help those people who are in the hunt starting new businesses and, and that type of thing as well. Is, you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I think you, you touched on something that, that I think is, is really important. If you're a business owner and, and you're thinking about your career path and, and your exit strategies, you know, I, one of the reasons that I bought the Collision Center was I needed a way to get from 50 to 65. And I, I wanted to, to continue to, to be involved and grow things and, and make, a, make a, a good living. Uh, but I also needed a, a path to an appropriate retirement. 
And, and so I, I looked at this as that and I said, okay, I'm going to do this for 15 years. And at 65, I'm going to sell the business and keep the real estate and have an income stream and off we go. But I, I, I have learned, thank goodness, a few things because I've had great teachers and mentors. And if I have any kind of a gift, it's probably that I'm, I know enough to listen to good advice and, and then try to execute. But uh, we, <laughs> 65, that sounds great. But the, the lesson I learned from this whole process was don't pick an age to retire. Pick a number to retire. And I don't mean an age number. I mean a dollars number. Mm-hmm. You can't control when somebody's going to come along and make you the right offer. Right. And, and if you say, okay, I want to work till I'm 65 and then stop, well, you might be in the middle of a recession when you're 65. Right. You might, your health may prevent you from getting to 65 as, as a business owner and operator. So, whereas if you set a number, if you sit down and you determine how much what kind of wealth do I need to have to go to the house to be able and I can work if I want, but don't have to work if I don't want to find that number. And then that's the time when when that somebody comes along and offers you that number. I don't care how old you are at that point. Go because you can always do something else. Right. But you may not be able you got when you own a business, you've got basically one asset. You get to sell it one time. So don't set a date, set a number. And when the number comes along, if you're, if it's younger, Hey, great, go do something else. If it's, if it's the right, if it's the right age, terrific, lucky you, but almost none of us get the time of market. I, I totally agree with everything you said there. So um, you sold your business, your last business, you at, at a very early age, and then you decided that you were going to get into the coaching business where you're going to help other people to achieve uh, some of the things that you've achieved. And, and we kind of talked a little bit about that. So tell us a little bit about, a little bit about your coaching business and you know who was a typical client for you? So, so actually, I had no intention of getting into the coaching business. Um, I, again, I'm an Olympic stumbler. After I sold my business, I, having spent many years in this community, and I, I'm very grateful for all the things that the community did to help my family be successful and, my, and, my, and our businesses be successful. So I wanted to go on a thank you tour. And, and I've always been an active member of the Chambers of Commerce. And so I doubled down on that and, and just got even more involved. And I was a SCORE mentor for a, a year or two, which is a, a nonprofit that does um, no-cost mentoring to people who aspire to be entrepreneurs. And, and I just wanted to say thank you because so many people created the environment for me to be successful. And most of those people are, are older and, and more experienced than I, and they either don't need any help from me or they're no longer with us. So I can't really pay them back, but I can pay somebody else back. And, and so I decided I wanted to spend a year doing what I called a thank you tour and, and just trying to pour into the community and, and express the appreciation. And so I did that and people started saying, oh, wow, you know, you're doing stuff like this. I'd like you to help me with my business. And then they wanted to pay me for it. And so then I figured, you know, the IRS is going to get mad at me. So I got an EIN and formed an LLC and and wound up getting into the consulting business again, kind of by accident. 
But you have, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. You have an awful lot to share with people. So, I mean, uh, I'm sure that, uh, you know, uh, as you were doing your thank you tour and everything, people were getting, you know, they, they, they knew, they knew that you had been successful and they knew that, you know, they were appreciative of what you have done and they wanted to repay you for thanking them in a sense. So it was kind of like a, you know, full circle type scenario. And, 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 and then how did it, what happened next? How did you get, go from the thank you tour into the, uh, into the actual business itself? Well, as part of the chamber relationship, the uh, new business owners in the chamber and, and in the community, and one of them, a fellow chamber member, was somebody who had been in the academic space and was going full-time into the consulting world. And uh, she had, didn't have a real good strategic plan for how she wanted to do it. So she asked me to, to contract with her to help her do some strategic planning. And so I went through that process with her and uh, she was pleased. And she said, you know, I know somebody who could really use your help with some of their executives and doing some coaching. And so I said, great. You know, it's always better to say yes than it is to say no. And uh, so I said, sure, let's do that. And so I coached several of their senior leadership team. Uh, for probably five or six months. And as part of that, they said, you know, wow, we really like this. Could you do some training for our larger management team? Uh, And I said, sure, happy to. And so we did some lunch and learns. And uh, about a month after that, uh, the the CEO came to me and said, you know, I'm going to make a a strategic shift here. And would you be interested in being our interim chief operating officer for six months? And so I, you know, again, sure, why not? You know, that's yes, let's, <laughs> let's do that. I'm happy to happy to help any way I can. So I wound up working with them in that capacity, and ultimately spent about three years working with that company in various capacities, uh, mostly on the consulting side. But you know, I think if if you ask what does my business look like, and what does my client, what does my ideal client look like? I don't believe in solutions in a box. I, I think we all have toolkits, and frankly, if we're if we're paying any attention to what we do, we should constantly be adding tools to our toolkits. Mm-hmm. But I don't come in and say, you know, here's what I can do. I guess the the easiest way to put this is, I, I don't want to be a hammer because if all if all you got's a hammer, then everything starts to look like a nail, and and I don't want to do that. So. I like to sit down with a prospective client, and, and this is probably a terrible thing to say, but, but I will give pretty much anybody an hour of my time for free to, again, part of the thank you tour that continues to go on and, and, and to find out what is going on in their world and for them to interview me and see if I can be of any use to them. So, so my, I sit down and I find out what's keeping you up what wakes you up at two o'clock in the morning? You know, where's the pain? Where's the friction in your world? And, and let's talk about that a little bit and figure out, you know, is there something that, that we can do to help you solve that? With, with, the, with the, the people that you're working with, the companies you're working with, what typically are the, some of the, you know, the problems they're coming to uh, you with that they're looking to get solved? You know, regardless of size, and, and I will say that, that my target client business is is probably anywhere from five to fifty million in, in top line revenue. 
Uh, I work in the small business space. I can do work for larger companies, but I'm not a corporate guy. That's not my background. And, and so, you know, I, I like the, the nimbleness and, and personal interactions of, of small and medium sized businesses. But so there's a couple of things. Uh, uh, clients that I work with fairly regularly are people who have been in business for a few years. Uh, Michael Gerber wrote a wonderful book 40 years ago, and it's just as good today as it was then called The E-Myth. And then he rewrote it in 95, called it The E-Myth Revisited. And, and, you know, he says that so many entrepreneurs go into business because they have an entrepreneurial seizure. You know, they get mad at work one day and say, I don't have to put up with this. I can do this for myself. Right? And that's great. So they go out and they create a job for themselves. But what they really did is they created two jobs. One is the task and the other is a business. And, and they're good at the first and don't necessarily have any training at the second. And because they're good at the first, the business grows and, and all of a sudden they're just overwhelmed at some point. So, you know, one of the things that, that I really like to focus on helping business owners and entrepreneurs do is get out of the weeds and, and start thinking about their primary responsibility, which is not the task. You can train people to do the task. You need to be doing only the thing that only you can do, which is building your business and determining its future. And it's so many business owners get trapped in the, the what Gerber calls the technician role, and they're just doing the job and doing the job and you get stale and you get tired and you get worn out and you lose the joy of your business. Mm -hmm. And that's terrible. Yeah. I've seen that happen a lot uh, with people. In fact, you know, I was thinking about that today before we had our conversation, you know, when some people, you know, when is the time uh, you talk about selling your business? Sometimes you're in a position where you sell your business because you're in a good position to do that. Uh, you're profitable. Somebody wants to, you know, obviously take advantage of that and, and, and buy you out. Other times you just get to a point where you're just like, you know, I just don't want to do this anymore. So are you with some of the people that you're working with? I mean, have you seen them, you know, get to that stage and are you able to help them? Well, yes, I, a long time ago. And, and again, I've been surrounded by smarter people than me my entire professional life, which is a blessing because I wouldn't be here having this conversation with you otherwise. One of the, my, my first general manager in the car business when I was a young salesman said to me, and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do because you know, I was getting tired of selling cars. I wanted to be in management, wanted to be a dealer. And uh, he said, you know, never make a decision about your career when things aren't going right, because you won't make good decisions. And, and so the, the corollary to that, to answer your question, Neil, is nobody wants to buy a business that's not doing well. Right. And, and if they do, they're not going to pay anything for it because it's a project. Right. And, and we all know that what people are doing when they're buying a business, a going business, is they're buying a future cash flow stream. So, you know, and, and so your business is typically worth a multiple of its earnings. Well, if you're making zero, 10 times zero is no better than five times zero. It's still zero. Right. So what I would do, I'm happy to sit down and, and work with owners who are frustrated or are thinking about getting out. But I would argue that rather than, than saying, I'm tired of this, I want out, let's get you untired of it. You know, you got into the business for a reason. And I've had clients 
who have said that the, the greatest thing I did for them was help them rediscover the passion that they had for what they do. And so if we get them excited and get them out of the weeds, the whole point of this is to build a, va- build a business that doesn't need your day-to-day supervision because you can't sell that business anyway. If you're the no. business and you sell it, the only person that's not going to be there after the sale is you. And if you're the business, you got nothing to sell. Right. So, so let's fix that. Let's, if you, if you are desiring to exit from your business and everybody does at some point, we don't want to die on the way to our debt from our car to the desk. You know, we, we want to have some time and some life after our business or when we're not there every day, even if we still own it. So let's build something that allows that to happen. Right. Then you do have something you can sell that does have value and that somebody will come and pay for. Or if you build a good, strong management team, you know what? You can retire and keep your business and it'll still operate and still provide you with value and wealth. So, yeah, let's not sell it if it's not something that's worth selling. And let's sell it when it's going great because you'll make a lot more money. A lot more money. You're absolutely right. So you say, you know, some people just can't get out of the weaves. weaves. They can't get, you know, away from their own self. So, uh, I, you know, I've talked with a lot of people who uh, coaches and business owners who deal with, uh, you know, the, the we call it the DIY syndrome, where it's like nobody else can do it better than me. I have to do it. Uh, if I can't, I can't trust somebody else to do it and do it, you know, the way I want it done. Uh, but what I heard you say early on uh, when you taught, when you were making that transition uh, into the collision center uh, where you weren't really uh, as you, you kind of weren't as needed as, as, as you were maybe in the dealerships and everything, because you had built a good team. Now, is that something that you work with your clients on to help them build those teams and get out of their own way? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you, you refer back to the collision center versus the dealership. Again, I use that smartest person in the room. Yeah. I was the most experienced person uh, I had the most knowledge in the most areas and, and I had the responsibility and, and all that, you know, but I didn't build a good team because I did exactly what you're talking about. I said, you know what? I can do it. Just go on. I'll handle it. I can do it faster. Yeah, I, internally, I'm saying better, which not true. But, <laughs> you know, it's 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 the, the arrogance of, of experience and knowledge and position. Right. So the person who says, I'll do it myself because I can do it better and faster than you is the same person who says, I can't hire anybody. You know, the people I find, they, they don't know anything. They don't have the experience. I, I need somebody that knows what's going on. And, and, you know, I call them Goldilocks employees, right? We're looking for those, right? They have just the right amount of experience. They, mm-hmm. they want to make just the right amount of money. And, well, good luck. And, and everybody says these days you can't hire anybody. I've been hiring people for 40 years. You couldn't hire those people 40 years ago. Yeah. You've got to build your organization. And you can't hire your organization because you're going to hire mercenaries, and, if they'll, and the only way to get them is to pay them more than the, the last guy. And if they'll come to you for a buck, they'll leave you for a buck. There's mm-hmm. got to be more to it than that. Yeah. So one of the things that we work on, it's a lesson I learned in the collision center business. And it doesn't matter what business you're in. Right. Business is business is business. Is I hire for culture and train for everything else. 
So it starts with, and, and if you have, in order to hire for culture, you have to know what your culture is. Right. right. right? So you have to have a, a conscious culture. You have to have an intentional culture. One of the first things, and so many small businesses don't, right? They have a cult of personality, which is whatever the owner's doing, but they don't necessarily have an intentional culture. So we start by figuring out why in the world do you get up every morning and go to work? And we, and we build on that culture and we make that a part of everything that happens in the company internally and externally. And, and that's a springboard then to how do we help our people buy into that, make sure we have the right people who, who want to share that culture and that vision and want to grow. And, and one of the hardest things to, to get an entrepreneur over the hump is that long game that I have to pour into my people in order for our business to be successful. And, and so it is a process. I, I don't promise you that, that I can solve your problems in 90 days and, you know, wow, we can, we can double your top line revenue in six months. And, you know, a lot of great things will happen, but they happen if you're intentional and you execute. And it takes time. You can't train significantly talented and, and effective people in middle and upper management in 90 or 180 days. Right. Right. It takes a while to build that culture. You're absolutely 100% right. And I've had several conversations with people on this show and outside of the show about that very thing where, you know, it's the people who make a difference. And, you know, if your people will buy into the processes that you've built, then the rest is easy, really. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, because you, you're right. You don't have to be there every day. You're not buying yourself a job, you know, per se. And uh, then, you know, you, you can accomplish the goals and do the things you want to do, uh, not only on at work, but away from work as well. Correct. Well, and, and it's, a you know, there's a there's two sides to this coin. Right. The, the, the head side is we need to give good people good reasons to want to work in our organization. Right. It's not just money. It's got to be whatever's important to them. Some mm-hmm. business owners so often fail to do is they assume they know what motivates their employees. So more money or you know, they'll, they'll pick what <laughs> motivates them and they'll say, you know, motivated me. It'll motivate my employees. Gen Y, Gen Z, they're not motivated by the same things that people look like us with gray or no hair. Right. Um, are motivated by. Are you pointing at me? What, what the heck? No, no. <laughs> I don't ever say anything about another man's hair. Nope. Okay, good, good. Um, but, you know, that's the, we, if you want to know what your employees value, here's, here's a management tip. Let me tell you. Ask them. We don't ask. We what assume. a novel approach. Yeah. So, so ask them. Find out what's important to them and then create that environment where they can achieve their dreams. Because if you do that, they will follow you through the gates of hell. I love if you it. Just pay them and say, "Come to work, and I'll pay you." That's that's not the that's not the deal. So that's Definitely. the head side of it. The tail side of it is after you've done that, it's imperative that we let people know what their job role is clearly. Number two, we need to make sure they know what a job well done looks like. And we need to agree on that, right? The, the boss and the employee need to say, yep, we're on the same page. I know what my key roles and responsibilities are, and I know what doing them well looks like. I know what outcomes are tied to that. 
And then once you know that, you got to hold them accountable to it. And a lot of bosses are lousy at accountability. Right. Yep. So the head side is the culture and the great place to be. And the tail side is clear expectations, clear understanding of what good results are and accountability for, for achieving those. Fantastic. That's great advice. Uh, we're coming to the end of our show. Actually, we've gone a little bit over, with, but the information that you provide provided has been wonderful, and I appreciate that. Any final thoughts you'd like to leave our audience with? Um, yeah, it's my, my, my golden bullet, if there is such a thing. You are not in the business you think you're in. Whatever it is you do, you'll think about I'm in the collision business or I'm in the, the sign making business or those are the products and services you provide. They are not the business you're in. You are in one, you do one of three things and hopefully all three, you solve problems, you relieve pain and you eliminate friction. If you think about your business in those terms, understanding your end user, your clients, problems, pain, and friction, and how do I fix those things for them, you will have more business than you know what to do with. If you focus on just selling a thing, a widget, fixing a car, whatever it is, you'll have business, but you won't have the business you can have. That's good advice to have. I appreciate that. Hey, Brad, if somebody wants to find out more about you and your business and your services, how do they get in contact with you? Uh, it's, it's pretty easy. I'm on the, uh, the internet at lookaheadbusinessconsulting.com. And uh, you can find me, you can reach me by email at brad at lookaheadbc.com because it's way too long to have to type all that into an email address. <laughs> gotcha. So uh, always happy to, to chat with folks and learn and grow. I, I learn as much from this as, as probably more than I teach. But it, it's, a, it's a blessing to be able to interact with entrepreneurs and help them grow things. Fantastic. Well, Brad, you've been a phenomenal guest. I really appreciate you being on the show. And that is our show for today. We're so thrilled that you can be with us. Business Breakthroughs is sponsored by Titan Media Works. Check us out at TitanMediaWorks.com. And also check out all of our other great hosts at the Small Business Delivered Network at SmallBusinessDelivered.com. Until next time, have a great day. Glad you were with us. Bye-bye.